soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the And just because we want to pretend they're not there doesn't mean they're not there. And it doesn't mean they're not plotting evil or trying to do destructive things to innocent people like you and me in this facility tonight. There are many unpleasant truths. The moment you give your life to Christ, you just enter the spiritual battle. You're no longer deceived by the devil and a captive of the devil, but you are saved by grace. You're a new creation. And now you're called to put on the armor of God and go forward in God's will. And you find out very quickly the reality of Jesus by the reality of the devil trying to pose you in living for Jesus. And many of us you just immediately realize, like, wow, why is everything going crazy when you give life to Christ? And you realize how real the devil is because the veil's lifted and we see the truth, and now we're in that battle. And there are unpleasant truths. And it's an unpleasant truth that's as crazy as it sounds when people consider the Catholic Church leads a billion people on the planet. There's a billion people that describe to Catholicism that form of Christianity that it's crazy to think the Church of England in all of its history for 400 plus years and you know, remember Whitfield, Wesley, so many great men and women of God came out of the Anglican Church and even still exist to this day in the Church of England, Episcopalian here in America or Anglican. But isn't it crazy to think that the person that the, the Church of England would choose? Now, the, the boss for the Anglican Church in America does not believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and does not believe that you're perishing without faith in Jesus Christ. She came out in an interview a couple of years ago and said that. So, you know, there's millions of Americans that go to Episcopalian Anglican churches. Now, they may not all believe what she believes, but their leader doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. So she renounces John 14, 6, Acts 4, 12, and other passages. That's a reality tonight that faces us as believers in the year of our Lord, 2019. It's just, it is what it is. False Christ. It's, it's radical to think because, see, the leader of the Anglican Church in America, that woman, I don't even, I don't even know her name. It doesn't matter. She does not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. That means she has a different Jesus than the Jesus that he declared who he is in the Gospel of John. And now the Anglican Church has sent their emissary to the Vatican, which is considered a country for, you know, the Catholics there. But a lot of the world looks at them as an example of Christianity. And the representative for the Church of England politically and spiritually does not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine having lunch with the Pope? I'm serious. And I sure hope the Pope believes in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he should. Don't ever sit in a church where the pastor and the ministers do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't ever submit yourself to that authority because that is a great deception. And Jesus warned about deception concerning his person, not just in all ages, but particularly in the end of the age. Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God. He's the son of man. He is born of the Virgin Mary. He lived the perfect sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave on the third day, according to the scriptures, a physical resurrection in his glorified body. That is why the tomb is empty and he appeared to many as we know. 
We'll be celebrating Easter in just a few months here. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to intercede for us at the right hand of the Father. And he has promised that as he went, he shall return. And he will come in full glory to establish the kingdom age as prophesied in the Old Testament, in the law and the Psalms, and to fulfill all those promises. And he will restore the lost glory from the dawn of creation, from the fall of Adam and Eve, who are literal people in a young earth. And that's who Jesus is. And not only that, he's the one that holds the whole universe together. He's not a moral teacher or some religious leader. No other religious leaders ever claimed to be sinless, and none of them ever claimed to be the resurrection, and none of them left their tomb in a glorified body. And that's why Billy Graham used to say, Jesus Christ is either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord, and you better decide. Because how you decide will shape your worldview. And it's one thing for your professors to be under deception who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is quite another for people who claim to serve Jesus in a house of God to reject who he is, his person, and his place. He is Lord of all, and he's coming in revelation to establish his kingdom. He's going to split the Mount of Olives and restore a lost glory. And that is the Jesus we praise here tonight when Jack's singing those songs. That is the correct Jesus, the eternal Son of God, as Hebrews said, what's the main point? We ever have a high priest that intercedes for us in every time of need. And Christ died once for all. That's the right Jesus. And that's the beauty and the glory of us standing and singing worship songs when we're gathered here tonight. We're worshiping Jesus as he revealed himself to the apostles in the apostles' doctrine as preserved for us in the Holy Scriptures, both the New and Old Testament. Praise the Lord. And he inhabits the praises of his people, and he's meant to be the preeminent one in his church. We worship Jesus. I feel bad for people that choose to be in denominations and movements where their leaders reject the historical, biblical Jesus. And there are good people in those churches. And I mentioned this recently. In the book of Revelation, the seven churches that Jesus writes to, even in really bad churches, he commends people that are holding fast to the faith. So I'm not making an attack upon individuals in a church, but I definitely have the courage, and it doesn't take much, to call out religious leaders who claim to know Jesus and reject his person, his work, and his physical resurrection. Deception concerning the work of Christ and the person of Christ is the number one warning for the end of the age across the board by Jesus Christ in the Leave It Discord. So that's the first thing we need to realize, the right Jesus at all times. Beware of people that have a false Jesus. The cults, anyone else, liberal Protestantism, uh, even if mainstream Catholics went bad, it would just be, give me Jesus. We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and that is Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man. He's, he's God. And just time and time again, the Bible warns. And one last thing, in Second Thessalonians, the Bible tells us, chapter 2, that God will give people over to a great deception for having rejected the truth of his Son. So during that seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation period, when Jesus comes for his church and the church is taken out, people are left behind. You think, well, we'll just get saved. Actually, they won't because they'll be under a delusion to believe the lie, and God will allow them to believe the lie of the great deception because they chose not to believe the truth. And even if people seem good and benevolent and compassionate, great. We love that. Please dig more wells. We appreciate that. But the Bible tells us that, that Satan dis, dis, disguises himself and transforms himself as an angel of light to deceive people. And even if possible, the very elect. So we need to just 
We cannot underestimate how important Jesus being the cornerstone of our faith, our life, and our church is. He said it. He said, take heed that you not be deceived concerning his name and his person. The second thing we see is persecution for identifying with Jesus Christ. This is an unpleasant topic. We don't like it. We'll skip the wars and all that kind of stuff, and we'll just get right to the content of what's really the heart of this passage of Scripture. As he says that, verse 12, but before all these things, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, and you'll be delivered up to synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Okay, so, and then he said in verse 16, you'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, which happens again, like in a lot of the persecuted countries, China, Indonesia, these places, people betray their family members. People become to Christ in the village, in Hindu villages in India, and they're renounced. They're ostracized from their family. They can't go to the village well. They're just completely ostracized. You look right now in Iraq and all those Christians that were displaced in um, Mosul and just all, all, those, all those places. When ISIS came in and they displaced uh, entire cities that had, you know, Iraq had a lot of Christians, uh, Coptic Christians, East, you know, like Egyptian Orthodox and so on and so forth. Uh, they were displaced and they were murdered. They were maimed. They were sold into slavery. A lot of these Christians, you know, that famous, you know, the, the symbol of Nazarene that the ISIS would put on the doors that just, ah, and, you know, it's like, this is reality. And we've got friends like Victor Marks and Danny Barger and other people like that. They go into these kind, like areas like Iraq and they're trying to rebuild the lives of Christians who have lost everything. I mean, they've lost their homes. They've lost loved ones. It's been horrible. They've lost limbs. They've been tortured. They, they've been scarred by, with great psychological scars. And praise God that we, our country does good things to even allow people like that to go in those countries and try and help people rebuild their lives. It's great suffering for the name of Jesus Christ in a good part of the world. Now, people make fun of us. The, the leftists make fun of us. The liberals make fun of us. And they, they think they're the, you know, end all. It doesn't matter what people think. They come and go. Every generation comes and goes. All the people in this church my age are ministering to their parents who are in their 80s. They're all in this boat together. Man, I look at my dad at 88 and I think, I can't believe like how he's the same guy that was young and 20 in the Korean War and strong and a, a you know a tenant and in combat. You know, it's like, and here he is, 88, and he gets con- Korea and Vietnam confused when he talks about him. Life is short. Solomon said it's a vapor, James says it's a vapor. Fear God, not men. In Matthew 10, Jesus talked about not fearing man, but to fear God. Don't fear the one that can take your life. Fear the one that can cast your soul into hell, is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, which has a lot of similar content here to this passage. There's some similar things to Matthew 10 thematically as to what's in this passage. So, But notice the thing, the key for persecution is for his namesake. So brought before political rulers, suffering politically for faith in Jesus Christ. It's political. It's laws. It's laws that punish people for believing in Jesus. And again, those laws are all... See, in our country, they've taken you know, like prayer out of the school, Bible studies out of the school, equal access out of the school. All those things have happened in our timeline. Years ago, someone presented to me a book from the Dallas Public School System, Prayers for Public School, 1937 copyright. They used to have prayer books in Texas in 1937. It's a fact. It's true. You know, and... But here in America, they've, they've tried to uh, remove Christ 
from its um, marketplace of thought in our society or marginalize Christ. Now, see, the communists in China were very smart with this. This is what they did. When you study Brother Andrew, God's smuggler, who smuggled all the Bibles back in the 70s and 60s into the Iron Curtain countries, it was with great risk of life. He'd smuggled the Bibles into Romania and all those, you know, Bulgaria, all those places, the Baltic republics. Um, but what he found when he tried to get Bibles into China is they laughed at him and let him come in with all the Bibles. Because the communists had so, uh, under Mao Zedong, had so um, marginalized Christianity in a full generation and taken full totalitarian authoritarian control over the thought process and the parenting process for an entire generation of Chinese after World War II under Mao Zedong and the Communist Party, that when Brother Andrew got there with Bibles, they were laughed at. Just like when our kids go to junior college and college and they bring up the scriptures and people laugh at them and marginalize them, that's the same thing. You know, we're kind of going that route because of obviously the godless uh, political agendas that influence the marketplace of thought in education, which is in many cases intolerated. All you have to do is show up any view other than a globalist leftist view in colleges and you can't even get on campus. It is not equal access and you know that and I'm preaching to the choir. But the Chinese communists marginalized Christianity to make it a joke. But then, of course, it kind of boomeranged on them because communism, life without God, atheism, agnosticism, would, everybody still dies in China, right? And they can imprison Muslims and Christians and everybody else. Hey, they're even imprisoning the state church now in China, which is a really bad sign because that's a sold-out liberal church. They're, They're imprisoning people. There's full persecution going on in China right now on the rise across the board, the, the camps and everything, the Muslims, and they just see communism. Communism is like Caesar. It demands to be Lord of all. And, and socialism really is communism. And I, that's just the facts. It really is. So it's the marginalization of accountability for free will and self-determination and choices. And again, in this society that we have right now, it's the marginalization of Christianity that is the opening uh, salvo of persecution against the church. It's not like they're imprisoning Christians. When Luke went to Grand Canyon University and shared his faith, or when he went to OCC and shared his faith, and, you know, he had some hostile responses from fellow students. He had very aggressive communist, uh, open communist attack him uh, in the school blogs for his faith and what he shared. Those things happened, and he held his own. And he just, he just, hey, they are what they are. They're going to do what they're going to do. And I'm going to live my life. They're going to live their life. But the whole thing is not that they're trying to imprison anybody in this country that's a Christian. They're trying to marginalize and humiliate anyone who's a Christian, which is kind of what Hitler did with the Jews. Is you first you ostracize and you humiliate, like somehow you're stupid. But fortunately, there's really smart people that love the Lord that offset that whole idea that you have to be stupid to have a childlike faith. But this is what we see. So our persecution here is very different than China, where now they just won't tolerate the opposing view because communism has to be God. It has to be God. And it's a godless worldview. And so they'll persecute the Muslims too. They can't have Sharia law and Mao Zedong's communist party at the same time. They're not, they can't cohabitate right? So this is what we're looking at. So when we think about, he says, for my namesake, twice he says the political persecution is for his namesake. We see some of that in this country. And again, it's more the 
you know, like I said, they've removed the Bible. They removed, you can express any thought except a biblical worldview, right? Okay, that's, we've seen that. But then there's the personal persecution that we see where people get, again, ostracized for their faith. Now, all over the world, but we see more and more in our own country. We see at work when you're the Christian. Why are people less patient with you? Why are they more hostile to you? Why do they ride you all the time as a mid-level manager or a manager? Why do they treat you like that? It's a form of persecution. Don't underestimate people's hatred for you because you confess faith in Jesus Christ. And I hope you do confess faith in Jesus Christ wherever you go and whatever you do. You know what that's like. You can think right now, some of you, if you've lived for Jesus Christ in the workplace and in your family, you can think of people and circumstances that you've endured where you're like, ah, I wonder if this is because I'm a believer. You know, like, yeah. Well, whatever. We're to fear God, not men. And let God be true and every man a liar. We need to obey the Lord. You know, when, they, when they kept threatening the apostles there in the early chapters of Acts, like, you better stop. They're like, as for you, you think what to do right with God, whatever, but we must obey God. And like Jeremy Camp said years ago, speaking louder than before, and he established his entire missionary ministry to the world as speaking louder than before ministries. Uh, we, need to, we need to be bold and we need to be vocal And we need to follow what Paul wrote to the Colossians, that to conduct ourselves with wisdom toward outsiders and let our speech be seasoned with salt, but be prepared to give an answer and a defense for the faith within us to everyone who asks us. Paul and Peter told us that. It's a combination of two passages I just shared right there. So we have to be... You know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when you're persecuted for his namesake or for righteousness' sake, because he put them both out there, What did he say? You guys know what the answer is. He said, blessed are you. There is a blessing in persecution. Not so much in the temporal of our generation, but there's a blessing for all eternity. When you suffer a wrong from society's laws or people in the community, you suffer evil because of your faith for Jesus Christ, there is a promised blessing by Jesus Christ for enduring that. We have to always keep that at our forefront. Because it's for his namesake. He said, to be brought before synagogues and prisons, before kings and rulers, for his namesake, and to be betrayed. I just can't stand that word, betray. Because the thing about betray is it's someone you trusted and probably someone you loved, and they turned against you. Betrayal is brutal. You ever said, gosh, I love these people. Like, I can't believe they're the ones who did all this. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Like, oh my goodness. That's betrayal. There's a psalm about that, speaking prophetically. It was you, my brother, that did it to me. The psalmist David said, prophetically speaking of what Judas did to Jesus, is betrayal. And who wants to be hated? (laughs) By all. In the end of the age, the planet will have no place for anyone confessing Jesus Christ. This planet will want to be devoid of the gospel message. And every time someone tries to expel you from the workplace or a situation because you're a believer, they're basically just calling out for the Antichrist to rule over this planet because that's what the world's going to want. No influence of Christ upon the planet. But when he comes, 
Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing against the Lord and his anointed? When he comes, every eye is going to see him, even those who pierce him. He's going to split the Mount of Olives and he's going to establish the kingdom. And when he comes in his glory, we're going to come in glory with him for the kingdom age. But you got to pay your dues. You know, we watched the Charger game last week. I knew not to. <clears throat> Tom Brady, Belichick, Patriots, Chargers, Philip Rivers. I'm like, I was convinced this is the year it was going to happen for the Chargers. I'm like, I've been a Charger fan forever. Like, I'm like, no, I, I'm, everyone's like, oh, dad, Leah called me up. I'm too nervous to watch that. Listen, man, Chargers got this. This is Charger team, like no other Charger team. And then the beatdown happened. And it happened fast. And it was, it was kind of merciful, actually. And, and, and Timmy's like, oh, dad, and Timmy's the biggest Charger fan, my son. He's like, it's a father-son thing. I go, Timmy, I'm going to watch this entire game because if and when they win it all, this is part of the process. And, and I had all my charging gear. I'm like, I don't want to go out to Starbucks. You're going to make fun of me. Like, oh, nice game. I'm like, but you know, the guy down the street's flying his Colts flag, you know, and he's flying it a day after they got a beat down. I'm like, you know what? I need to wear this charger gear. I need, I need to take this because that's part of the process if they win it all. And I, and I thought, how silly. It's football. But I thought, wasn't well, that the way it is with the Lord? You kind of got to take the beat down. And that's why Paul said these afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory to come. I mean, it's kind of unfair to compare the Chargers to the kingdom, but you kind of get my point. Because I was like, I don't want to go out with that Charger gear on right now. We just got pasted by the Patriots. And it's like, no, no. And Timmy's all, I'm like, Timmy, it's okay. This is our identity. This is our identity, son. Father, son stuff here. And, you know, it's silly. It's sports. Jesus is our identity. And if you get a beat down for it, praise the Lord, there's eternal fruit for it. And last but not least, we see the last thing he says. Verse 13, it's an occasion for testimony. Persecution is an occasion for testimony. And he said in verse 14, settle in your heart not to worry about, oh, what am I going to say when the boss and this and that, and they're coming against me. And um, yeah, you know, he'll give you a mouth of wisdom for your adversaries. Opportunity for testimony. Opportunity for testimony. It is what it is. For me, for you, for all of us. It's an opportunity for testimony. Because when we stand strong in the Lord and we don't capitulate truth and we don't surrender to the darkness, it glorifies the Lord. And we forgive those who attack us. I mean, that's the, that's the legacy of the martyrs of the church is forgiving the people who execute them. And we just, we, we forgive people and we, we don't hold things against people. Where people are malicious to us, we return no malice. It becomes an opportunity for testimony. That's... You know, I was reading about a guy in Colombia who was maimed in his face and lost sight of an eye by rebels who came against him when he was an evangelist. And now the guy who maimed his eye and took his eye out is his roommate and is saved. <laughs> How's that one? You just never know. But Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And we forgive when other people can't forgive. And we're gracious when people don't even know what the word means. And we show mercy when people don't know what the word means. It's an opportunity for testimony. Persecution is an opportunity for testimony. Um, and in the end, God's got us. Verse 18, not a hair of your head will be lost. People die all the time for their faith, but who we really are, our soul, our eternal existence, we're good. It's all good. It's all working together for good when you suffer for Christ and for your faith. Verse 19, by your patience, possess your souls. Yeah, trust in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Give it to the Lord. 
Let him, let him deal with that person. Let him deal with that situation. Give it to him and trust him, and he's got your back. By your patience, the Bible tells us we have need of endurance, and we have need of perseverance in our faith, and persecution helps establish patience and perseverance and endurance. So be encouraged, you guys. Um, by all means, be persecuted for the right Jesus. And don't be surprised by persecution when it arises in various forms. And just trust in the Lord and see that's an opportunity for testimony. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just trust in the Lord. Love people. Listen to people. and Speak clearly and definitively the gospel. And I close with this thought. I want to be less is more Christ is king, the word's the authority, and just stay away from all the other stuff. doesn't matter. So Christ is your foundation, so keep our foundation in him, and then if things go bad, it's for his namesake. And Peter said there's a blessing in that. So just let Christ be Lord, and don't be moved by people coming against you for your faith, no matter what we see. You know, I look at my grandkids, I think, who knows what they're going to see in their timeline. But who would have known what I'd see in mine and you've seen in yours, right? God knows. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.